Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Iron Supplements. I'm your host, Kevin Trent. And I don't have a long introduction today. I just want to tell you that we are in the middle of a series called Ignite. And it's about igniting a passion for God like you have never known in your life. Letting it fan into flame a burning desire to serve for His kingdom. And then how to keep that fire going. And we are in the middle of that. We are in the the part of the series where we are talking about how to fan into flame the gift of God. To fan your passion into a burning desire for service. And last week we talked about how the Spirit was given for a purpose. You know, there's no reason for God to give us His Spirit other than for us to use it for His glory. And we looked at how Paul was encouraging to Timothy to fan that flame into fire. The, the gift of God, the, the Holy Spirit. We talked about how uh, the way to do that is, is to get involved, to get involved in service. And today, I want to take that one step further. I want to share with you one thing that I discovered that just absolutely fuels my fire for God. And we're going to get right into Scripture and talk about one more thing that you can do to fan the gift of God into flame in your life here on Iron Supplements. So our reading today is from Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume over them. And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Now neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which do you suppose will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came to your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this? who even forgives sins. Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace.
So I never will forget the day I met my friend, Jim Tull. It was back in 1999, and I was working for a small church in Lake City, Florida, and I got a call from another member who said that there was a young man that needed someone to talk to and asked if I would be willing to talk to him. Of course, I said yes, and remember seeing Jim pull up in his two-tone uh, custom van that had shag carpet all over the inside on the ceiling and on the sides of the the walls and had brass knuckles hanging from the uh, mirror and a bumper sticker which read horn broke watch for finger <laughs> I remember looking at that van and thinking as it pulled up, it was kind of leaning to one side. And uh, and then uh, Jim got out and all of a sudden the van wasn't leaning to one side anymore as the driver's side lifted about six inches. And Jim, who is a self-described uh, six foot nine, 330 pound tattooed covered terror, uh, stepped out of his van and started walking my way. I remember thinking this is the most menacing individual I have ever seen in my entire life. And as I introduced myself and invited him in, he was a little bit hesitant. Uh, He told me that uh, he was afraid that the building would collapse on him. But he found enough courage to, to come inside and He told me his story, and his story was every bit as menacing as uh, he appeared. You see, Jim was, um, well, there's, there's no other way to say it. He was a white supremacist. He said that he was uh, the president of the East Coast chapter of the Aryan Brotherhood, and he made a very strong distinction between the Aryan Brotherhood and the Aryan Nation. He didn't want me to think that he was involved in the Aryan Nation by any stretch of the imagination. I thought that was a strange distinction to make. And yet he told me his story. And then he told me his problem. His problem was that he had seen his stepson uh, doing the Sikh Heil salute and it was too much for him that a, a part of him broke as he witnessed the hate that he was passing on and uh, all of a sudden it, it was not okay to have that kind of hate in his heart anymore. And he just wanted prayers for uh, his son and his wife and their new baby. And I said, well, what about you? And he said, well, it's too late for me. I had about a three-hour conversation with Jim that day, and I told him about another person who was in the Bible who was absolutely sold out for his cause but was totally wrong. Now he reminded me of Paul and how Paul had gone about 
doing what he thought was right until he had an encounter with God and how God had placed a call on his life and called him to uh, share the gospel. Uh, and somebody who had persecuted Jesus and his followers was called to be the greatest apostle uh, to the Gentiles, the people that he hated. And uh, over the next several months, I spent a lot of time with Jim and I watched God do an amazing work in his life. I got to witness him reconcile his hate uh, with uh, a brother, uh, an African-American brother who embraced him as he told him his story and forgave him. And I was fortunate enough to uh, baptize Jim and invite him into the, the family of God. I just recently got uh, a message from Jim thanking me for being an influence in his life and just saying that he was able to now reach out to young people uh, who no one else could even touch because of of the life that he lived and the way God had made a difference in his life. And Jim once shared with me that, uh, he said, Kevin, you know, uh, you weren't the first pastor I talked to. He said, yours was not the first church I went to. He said, uh, you know, when I would go into a church, over the years, my mom would pray for me and I would visit every once in a while. But everyone there either saw me as a problem or a project. He said, you were the first one to see me as a person. And that's what made the difference. And I think that that is, I think Jim's story is this, this woman's story. That here she was, she was a known sinner, which is code for she was a prostitute. And everyone knew who she was in town. And yet that didn't matter on that day when she found out that Jesus was nearby. She had to meet him and she broke through all of the customs and the barriers and did what what should not have been done she approached a rabbi and and touched his feet and sobbing um, just washed his feet with her tears and with her hair and then anointed him with with perfume and of course everybody there at the table um, was incensed <laughs> How could this woman come and do this? But also they were they were looking at Jesus with, with scorn and like this is obviously no man of God because if he were a man of God, he would uh, he would see this sinner. He would see this sinner. Which makes Jesus' question, Simon. Do you see this woman even more powerful? Do you see this woman? 
The truth of the matter is, Simon did not see the woman. He saw a sinner. And worse yet, he thought that if Jesus had seen what he saw, that he would know better. But Jesus knew better. Jesus saw the woman. And he had compassion on her. And because of that, he, he was able to do something for this woman that, that no one else could. <laughs> there was not a single other person even interested in this woman, much less someone who was interested in saving her soul. But Jesus saw her, and he saw her heart. He saw her faith. And he let her know that her faith had saved her. You know, so often we get caught up in our own little worlds and we get caught up in, in life and our f- function and our focus is all on, on just getting through the day. But I wonder how much life would change if we just simply saw people. So what we're talking about here is fanning into flame the gift of God which is in us. That is the Holy Spirit. How do we let the Spirit catch fire in our lives? Last week we looked at Paul's advice to Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God. And we looked at how he he called Timothy to join him in suffering for the gospel. And we talked about how there's really no reason to even have the Spirit of God unless we use it for God and His purpose and for His glory. And if you really want to be on fire for God to fan it into flame, well, then you need to serve people. Getting involved in a ministry is a great way to catch fire for God. And here this week, we're talking about another equally powerful way to catch fire for God, and that is to see people. And really what we're talking about is an act of mindfulness like we talked about a couple of episodes ago. These spiritual hacks that connect us to the Holy Spirit. Mindfulness is this practice of taking a moment to get your mind off of autopilot. And just appreciate what is around you. To see and to hear and to smell and to take it all in and to appreciate the moment. Now, also, we need to put into practice this mindful appreciation of people in their circumstances. Now, it doesn't have to be this big thing like Jesus had when he was visiting the Pharisee uh, Simon's house, and this sinful woman comes up to him and he sees her and he appreciates her situation. And he forgives her. And he says, your faith has saved you. 
It doesn't have to be something as big as my encounter with Jim where, you know, we had this three-hour conversation that started a relationship that eventually led to him becoming a Christian and to sharing the gospel with others. Now, sometimes just seeing people can be done in an instant. And it's a powerful thing to, to see and to, it's a great way to catch fire for God and, and it can be something as simple as what I experience all the time. And just like the other day when I was in a checkout line at Publix and I noticed the cashier was going very slowly and I noticed the customer in front of me shaking her head about how long it was taking to get checked out and becoming very frustrated and and when it became my turn I just looked at the young cashier and I just smiled and I called her by name and asked how she was doing and I, I told her I said you know I always try to get into your line because you always have such a bright smile and, and you always just like breeze through all my groceries. I said, you're like a machine checking me out. And as I'm talking with her, her, her actions just speed up. Like she is whizzing through the checkout, like grabbing my groceries and just uh, scanning them like, like a machine again, like I have seen her do many times before. And her whole demeanor changed just because I saw her and I spoke a word of encouragement to her. It was just a small thing, but I saw her and I tried to speak life into her situation. And I don't know if that made any long-term difference in in her uh, life. I don't know what (laughs) outcome. Certainly we didn't have any connection beyond that point, but It did something for her, and it also did something for me. Like It's a practice that I I try to to, uh, do often is just to see people and connect with them and to speak life into their situation, to encourage them. And it lights the fire of God within me to be His light to the world. And I don't worry about the outcome. I don't worry about whether they're going to to eventually come to him. I just want to be light to them. I just want to see them for who they are in that moment and to appreciate them and to let them know how much I appreciate them. Even total strangers can can just have their moment changed with an encouraging word. And how much does this world need people to need Christians to just take a moment and to see them and to speak life into their situation to encourage them how much how many more opportunities might we have to plant a seed or to to start a conversation about God if we first just see them in their situation and acknowledge them in their moment and encourage them. I think that that if you would regularly put this into practice, you will catch fire for God like you've never known before. 
And then God does his work. Whenever you're faithful in doing this, he increases your opportunities to share the word of God with others. And that is invariably what happens. When I am on fire for God, God puts other people in my life, even if it's not that person. He puts other people in my life to encourage and to to counsel and to give the word of God, the gospel message to. And I am the one that is blessed. I am the one that's encouraged. I'm the one that comes uh, away from all of these encounters, a stronger, happier, more joyful individual. And it's all because I allow the Spirit of God to be on fire within me. And a simple act can really fan that into flame. So brothers, I just want to encourage you to take a moment to be mindful of the people around you and to see them as they are in that moment and to encourage them and to speak life into their situation.